Well, let me just start with that word fit because um, it makes me uncomfortable and it does not feel inclusive whatsoever. You know, and I think the businesses that I like to work in are all about being inclusive and there's a sense of family and celebrating, you know, individualism and that is super important. So I think when it comes to, you know, those sorts of comments, oh, I, I didn't get the job because I wasn't a culture fit, that just makes me feel really uneasy. And it makes me feel like, well, as a business, it goes back to this. I always say, if you're happy to serve somebody, you should ha- be happy to employ them. That's that's my true belief. If you're happy to take somebody's money, you should be happy to employ them. Assuming that they've got the relevant skill for that that role that you're advertising for, of course. But regardless of their background and where they come from, that to me should be the main the main standpoint. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another CX Insider podcast episode. In this episode, we talk to Stuart Anderson, a client telling and service consultant at Selfridges. Stuart gives advice on how to help your employees adapt to your company culture, how to implement cultural change, and what to do if your team is resistant to change. Enjoy listening to this episode, and don't forget to let us know what you think on our LinkedIn page. Stuart discovered his passion of understanding consumer behavior when he started working in retail and hospitality during his teenage years. Since then, he has been mainly focusing on delivering exceptional customer experiences. Last year, Stuart shifted to HR and started working on the implementation of learning programs to support their customer strategy. And today, we talk about his perspectives on building and sustaining a powerful company culture. I started this topic from the bottom of it and asked Stuart how company culture should be prioritized in a company where no culture has been established yet. Should the process of creating one be natural or monitored? So you definitely should pay attention to it from the beginning. If you don't, it will evolve naturally, but you're not going to get the culture that you maybe set out that you thought you were going to, you know, thought that you were going to get or thought you thought you wanted. So absolutely, you should um, start from the very beginning. And I think it's just about being really clear on, you know, what your ethos is, what are your values, what is your aim, you know, what is your mission statement, what are you there to actually deliver, and then work back from that point of view. Um, And interestingly, I was thinking earlier today around uh, a well-known company within the, the, the world of beverage, I won't say who, had a lot of bad press because team members then came out and said actually the culture that they portray in the marketing is completely the opposite of what is actually happening behind the scenes and that is that's another you know consideration you know like you can't just sort of like put a big marketing campaign out there and say this is who we are this is what we're about if it's not actually happening in the business so i think the the first off is is absolutely be super clear with everyone what are we what are we aiming for here uh how do we want our team to feel you know it's the whole you know think and feel part but how do we really want them to feel how do we want them to connect do we want our team to be you know ambassadors of the business not it's not just a place to work you know um 
how do we want them to socialize and interact with each other how do we want people to communicate and speak to each other and there's so many different you know considerations but you should definitely um, make it super clear from the beginning otherwise it will go into territories that you'll just be then trying to pull back from uh, and then that makes it just that little bit harder there's no alignment it is crucial to have a value proposition that is presented to the public and is aligned with the company culture. But in large-sized companies, different people create different subcultures and the management of these should not be overlooked. You know, especially in really large organizations where the needs of team members can be very different. I think you still have to make sure that you're aligned to the overall. Um, so whatever your company's values are, that you're threading them through. And it might be that, okay, we've decided that we want to be really respectful towards each other, but then how does that look in each team? Because it might be slightly different. So I think you've got to really unpick the ways of workings and how do you make it work for a smaller department? But I would definitely empower people to then break that down further, you know, because our teams are unique. You know, an IT team is going to be very different from a front of house customer facing team how you communicate to them is going to be completely different the type of communication might be completely different their needs again are going to be very different so um i would disseminate the, the overall strategy and look to see how you can action it in a small area definitely uh, and and it, that has always worked for me when i've been working with smaller teams you know, you can still keep the bigger picture and focus and not lose sight of that. People form teams and partnerships with people who are in some sense similar to them. It's natural and it's been like this since forever. You all do it and you all have also experienced what it's like to be excluded from a group because you don't fit in. Whether that was in kindergarten or high school, and hopefully not many of you experienced it in your workplace, some employers turn down potential employees because, according to them, those candidates are not a culture fit. Let's focus on why this may not be okay. Well, let me just start with that word fit, because um, it makes me uncomfortable, and it does not feel inclusive whatsoever. You know, and I think the businesses that I like to work in are all about um, being inclusive and there's a sense of family and celebrating, you know, individualism. And that is super important. So I think when it comes to, you know, those sorts of comments, oh, I, I didn't get the job because I wasn't a culture fit. That just makes me feel really uneasy. And it makes me feel like, well, as a business um it goes back to this. I always say, if you're happy to serve somebody, you should ha be happy to employ them. That's that's my true belief. If you're happy to take somebody's money, you should be happy to employ them. Assuming that they've got the relevant skill for that, that role that you're advertising for, of course. But regardless of their background and where they come from, that to me should be the main, the main standpoint. Um, to your question around, you know, how would I advise managers, you know, to support team members where they're struggling? Um, you know, it goes back again to communication, being super clear on what is it that we're actually trying to achieve. And you've got to take everybody on that journey. 
And we're all really familiar with change, change curves and you know the emotional cycle of change and those sorts of aspects and tools that we can use to help guide us. But if you've got a team of 10 or a team of 1,000, the team are going to be at different places on that change curve. And so you really need to work with um, them individually, small teams, you know, really understand where is everybody at, know exactly why they're where they're at, and then support them to move through that change. You know, we don't want to leave people behind. You know, you've, you've got a team of people who have got great skills. Uh, change can be difficult. Some people embrace it immediately and run with it, and other people need um, a lot more of the why. You know, why are we doing this? What does it mean to me? How is it going to impact me? You know, those are real things, and we're dealing with people and real emotions. And so we need to have some empathy in here as well. As a business, we need to maybe move quickly, uh, especially in the last couple of years. All businesses have had to move quite rapid, uh, a much more agile pace than probably we would be used to. But um, it's important that we take people on that journey with us. Uh, and you can get people through the other side, but it does start with being super clear on your vision, the why we're doing it. And then looking at how you support the team members. Do they need extra development? You know, what can you leverage using your learning and development departments and uh, HR and, you know, your, your frontline managers and bringing them all on board? You know, you can't, you can't, um, you can't just sort of put a statement out there and then hope that everybody is going to uh, connect with it and, seize your vision for what it is in your head and then just be like, right, okay, this is what they want. We're going to go and do it. You're going to get resistance and that is absolutely okay. But sometimes when you get that resistance, that's where some amazing stuff can also happen and some different ideas and different perspectives and different ways of thinking came that you would never have known until you put something into practice. So we should also use it as an opportunity to open up and create some space for conversation. And that that's, that creating space for conversation is, if you can keep that in mind, it will be a much easier transition. 46% of job seekers say that company culture is very important when choosing to apply to a job. So what can one do after they start working in the company they apply to and find out the culture doesn't go with their values? It's really difficult and I, and, I, and I think it is super important when you are on the brink of maybe applying for a role and moving into a new business that you can try your best to do some research around their values and find reviews. Obviously, there's websites like Glassdoor, uh, which will give you that perspective of people who have worked in a business for quite a while and here's the truth of the matter. However, sometimes that's not always the case and maybe everything from the outside looks great until you get in there and actually the, the culture is very, very different. Um, and, you know, just touching on that hustle culture, I mean, that's fantastic that some um, generations, millennials, if you like, I'm also a millennial apparently at 40-year-old. <laughs> I think it depends what report you read, but I definitely don't feel like one. <laughs> Um, I just think if, if people who are maybe 20 year old and younger are millennials, I'm like, not. But that that whole idea of hustle, you, you know, it's brilliant to encourage uh, people to, you know, meet their aspirations and follow their dreams and work hard if that's what they want to do. But you've got to be careful that it doesn't then become toxic. And that's where 
um, some of these team members may then feel alienated because it's like, well, I don't want to be the hustle. I just want to do a good job. I want to come in and deliver for you. For, and I want to do a good job for myself and I want to do a good job for you. But I don't necessarily feel like I need to work eight hours. And we shouldn't really be asking anybody to work that. If somebody's got a side hustle, fine, knock yourself out. I, that's out of my you know, um, control. It doesn't impact what you do in the time that you're in the business. That is absolutely fine. But I think um, the reason I think that people stay in businesses a long time as well is because the values are so aligned to their own personal values. So it goes back to... You know, I would look at, be looking at your turnover and things and the reasons why people are leaving and do you need to make an adjustment? Um, you know, we should be doing things like exit interviews. If we've got a team member who is feeling alienated, how do we respond to that? But a little bit of research before you go into that world or new role massively helps. Um, and if it's really not aligning with you, there's, there's sort of like two options off the top of my head. You can absolutely find a business that is going to um, align to your values better where you feel more appreciated and and then the other one is are you in a position to help improve the culture and I think that when I think back to some of even my very junior roles uh, working on the front line with customers and team members and coming into maybe cultures or little micro environments that didn't suit me, I used to think, well, how can I, how can I influence this to move in a better way that is going to make me feel happier, but actually just bring uh, more joy for everybody and that we celebrate each other. Um, and I remember working, um, I won't say where, but I was selling formal wear uh, way back. And there was very much a hustle culture <laughs> Uh, within that environment and there was a lot of it, it felt like people begrudged each other if you had a good day sales they almost begrudged you and I thought I don't want to be in that environment I want to change that so I always celebrated everybody if somebody had a really great sale I did the exact opposite I didn't begrudge it I would I'd be like that is amazing well done tell me how you did it you know and just have a little bit of fun you can still be competitive but it can be um, done in a really nice way so, I mean, there's a few there's a few bits in there, but it starts with you being brave. Can I influence a culture? If I can, is this the right place for me? Would, it, might, would my skills be better somewhere else? Looking at it from the other perspective, how should managers and team leaders engage their employees and encourage them to adapt to their culture? Yeah, so I think if you're going to, I think if you're, you found yourself in charge of a team or you've got a team of people that you now need to influence, I mean, first off, remember, put yourself in a position of, okay, I'm the leader. And another way to look at that is I'm the role model. So when you think about your own role models, you know, it might be somebody famous, but it's more around why, what, what makes them a good role model? How do they lead people? How do they engage with people? How do they excite people? Um, so coming out from that point of view, I think it's about really getting in there to begin with and really understanding the team first off. And how you do that is up to yourself, but definitely one-to-ones for me. And really knowing what um, the passion... I love asking the question, what are you passionate about? Because it doesn't need to be about the role. And you can get a real sense for somebody, you know, outside of work, what really makes them tick. So when you've, when you've got a good idea of your team... You'll, you'll learn loads just from that question around how to motivate them. 
understanding the strengths and weaknesses along with that so that you're ready and primed because there's no point in coming in with a big plan and, and then everybody's just going to get their backs up. Uh, you've not actually won them over yet. So it's, people say it all the time, you know, win hearts and minds, but it's so true. It's a cliche, but it's really, really important. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to face even more resistance. And I think just when you've done that, include them you know, when you, where you can include them in the plan, include them in, okay, we're going to be going through some change. How can I bring you guys in on this from the start? You know, if there is an opportunity to do that, then do it. Sometimes it's not always possible, you know, depending on the size of the business, the, the, the type of change that you're going through. It might be something that needs to happen. But where you can, there's probably always an opportunity to bring people in on that and create discussion. And keep it fun as well. Like I keep it, you know, find, you know, a way to make it fun. You don't need to be going to the pub every other day, you know, after Friday, Friday drinks don't need to happen. That's not necessarily, you know, what makes a good culture. You might have a team of people who don't like going to the pub. You know, again, it's about knowing your team and knowing what makes them tick. You know, if they, if they like donuts, then buy them donuts every week. You know, just something fun, create incentives that are fun, create engagement, know the channels that you want to do that through as well. So I think as you build your plan, uh, you'll have your team in front of you, but you also need to think about who's your team behind you, and that's your stakeholders. So, you know, your learning and development teams, your internal comm teams, you know, senior managers, sponsors. Once you've got all those people on board as well, that will help you then move forward. But don't forget to be the role model. And sometimes that can be quite uh, monotonous for you if you've got a message that you need to keep repeating. But that is that eventually will get you the return that you need. The team member keep hearing the same message. Oh, this is super important. It's not going to go away. This is something I need to get involved with and get on board with. So I think that's that's a bit of how I would, would come at it. The last topic Greg and I discussed with Stuart was a cultural change. Everyone finds disruption difficult to tackle to a certain extent. Implementing a cultural change doesn't happen overnight, and the period from coming up with a strategy and proposition to actually see the change in its physical form can take a couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Cultural change, uh, as much as we would like it to happen very quickly, it, it just doesn't. Um, and I think um, you can have a lot of theatre in the start, especially, and that can maybe help get it off the ground. So projects that I've been involved in in the past where we wanted to change our service proposition and the strategy and the way forward or something as simple as how do we want people to interact with each other you know we started that with a three-hour workshop and put every single person in the business through this three-hour workshop but that wasn't going to you know create the change that we wanted it just starts the conversation you know, and it's and there's a lot of work goes into that workshop, getting it over the line, organizing, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, if you like, to attend. How do you, you know, getting people on board, how you move that forward just to get to that point. And that might happen quite quickly. We need a couple of months to get a lot, a lot of team members through that initial phase. But the bit that came after, which was the embedding of the culture, is far greater. And that's a, that's two or three years to see some real momentum. And 
again, you know, if you put yourself two or three years down the line and you think, right, okay, where are we at? That is, again, a reflection of what you've put in in the first place. So if you've not done, you know, the engagement that you should have or you've not done it in the right way, you've not utilised all your channels, um, you've not created um, the fun that you maybe wanted to create around this big change, there'd be so many different reasons why. Well, determine how far you are down that path, you know, but you can't rush it either. You can't think, if I do these 10 things, I'm going to have this change that I want in X amount of time. It doesn't work like that. You're dealing with people. And if you go back to my earlier thought around, we're all on this change curve, but we're all on it at different places. And that's why you can't just move one group throughout, you know, over a certain time period. It's not fixed. And some people can drop back. You know, initially they were they were super engaged and then things happen where they're not engaged. But I think, um, yeah, I think that that is the main thing. Stuart's last advice was on what to do if you encounter employee resistance to change. Well, yeah, I think it's understanding that, you know, what is the resistance, you know, you will you will experience resistance, whether that's just from one individual team member who's really having a hard time to grasp the change or whether it's um, a whole department is in a similar boat and they're just finding it hard to turn the direction that you want to um, get them to go in. I think you just really need to go back to have we missed something? You know, have we done something, um, approach this maybe in, in a way that is not working? Have we done something wrong? You know, question yourself, you know, bring people back around the table, create, again, create space for conversation, you know, because that's where, that's where the answers will lie. Now, if you get to the point where it's this, you know, an individual is just not absolutely refusing, then you, you know, that's a very, very different world that you're in there. Uh, And you have a whole host of support behind you from a business, you know, with, you know, HR and ER and, you know, but really, we don't want to ever get to that point. We want to bring people on the journey. And there's so much you can do to support somebody on bringing them uh, with you. You don't need to leave people behind. That's also a choice. You know, but again, it goes it goes back to how much effort do you do you want to put in? And there's, there's no right or wrong to that. You know, but if you find yourself in a place where the resistance is not going away, then there's, there's formal processes that can support a business through that. But we would never, I would, you know, never want to, to go there, I think. You know, if your plan is really good, you can minimise that massively. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please don't forget to like, share, comment, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite channel. And don't forget to join the conversation on our LinkedIn page. If you're interested in connecting with Stuart, you can visit his profile provided in the episode description below. By the way, we also started a new Instagram account called Six Insider Podcast. So you can follow us there if you're an Instagram user. And I will see you in two weeks.